1: I'm Zadak, TV voice of the Cincinnati Reds, and you're up for Late Night Reds Talk.
2: Hello, everybody. My name is Tim Daniel, and welcome to Late Night Reds Talk, the live show and podcast that loves the Cincinnati Reds, part of the Belief Network, presented, as always, by BetOnline. Uh, The show is live streamed on YouTube, Twitter, and Facebook, and the podcast version is always up the next morning for you. I am joined tonight by Nick Kirby, Carlos Gavard, our special guest, Dayton Dragons broadcaster Tom Nichols. If you are watching tonight on YouTube, please take two seconds to hit the subscribe button and like and like button as well. It really helps us continue to grow our show. Uh, Before we do get started, let's have Nick tell you about our partner Bet Online, who has the Bengals as seven and a half point favorites against the Cowboys on Sunday.
3: Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports contests and events with first-of-market odds and lines. Find reviews and news for every league, including Major League Baseball, NFL, NBA, NHL, combat sports, eSports, and even golf. BetOnline continues to be the top online resource for all your sports information from live in-game betting, props, and futures. Head to BetOnline today or use your promo code to join today and make your first sports bet. Use our promo code BELIEVE50 to receive 50% off of your first deposit. That is B-L-E-A-V 5-0 to receive 50% off of your first deposit. Bet Online is where the
2: game starts. So we are joined by Dayton Dragons broadcaster and director of media relations, Tom Nichols. Uh, Tom, first off, thank you so much for hanging out with us tonight. We're really excited to have you. Um, so you've been tell us a little bit about your time with the dragons, how long you've been with them, what your what
0: your job instills on a day to day basis. Thank you. First of all, thanks for having me tonight. And I really compliment you on that open. Uh, that was exciting. The The collection of uh, play-by-play calls there took me back a little bit. In fact, two of my favorites actually took place about five minutes apart. The Johnny Bench home run called by Al Michaels and then the Bob Moose wild pitch, which is about four batters later that, that won that game and put the Reds in the World Series. But great job on that. Uh, let's see. I started with the Dragons in 2008 at that point, I had already been in minor league baseball for 20 years. Um, I'd been with the Indianapolis Indians, the uh, Mobile Bay Bears in Mobile, Alabama, the Fort Wayne at that time Fort Wayne Wizards, and uh, the Peoria Chiefs. And got to uh, got to Dayton a few a few years after Carlos had passed through there, and um, I had heard about his screwball, so quite a, quite familiar with the success he had that year in 2004, a team that also featured Let's Joey talk more Votto. about that. What's that? <laughs> I'm
1: just kidding. Let's talk more about that. <laughs> Joey Votto
0: and Chris Dickerson and, and, and uh, Luis Boulevard, who was our manager in Dayton for three seasons. Um, but anyway, uh, I've been in, in Dayton since 08. Um, I've seen some great players pass through. Uh, the first team featured the likes of uh, Todd Frazier and Zach Cozart and Devin Masarocco and Every season, we've had some future Reds players come through. We have not always had a first-place team, but we've had some future major leaguers each season that the fans have been able to enjoy enjoy at Day or Ballpark. So that's made it a lot of fun.
2: Yeah, and we're, we're going to ask you quite a bit about some of those players that came through this season. Obviously, through the trades and everything, some of those guys that were on the top of the prospect list made their stops in Dayton. But uh, before we do get into that, Tom, I really wanted to ask because, um, you know, being friends with Carlos now for as long as we've been doing the show, uh, he speaks really highly of being in Dayton, Uh, just how cool it was. You know, everyone knows about the sellout streak, just like an awesome environment. I, I joke at times that I've been to Dayton, I've been to Louisville and the stadiums are set up the same exact way. So if you know where one thing is at both stadiums, you know where everything's at. And I always think that's kind of cool. Um, but what is it about being in Dayton? What is it about the the, the city that loves the dragon so much? The you know the sellout streak has been going for quite some time. And like you said, you see major league future maker lyrics come through all the time. So what is it about Dayton that really makes it kind of a special environment, a special place for fans, for the
0: dragons? Oh, I'd say multiple things. Uh, number one, um, It's a great sports market, and you can see that from the fact that University of Dayton basketball has sold out many, many games uh, consecutively as the years have gone by, just as we have with the Dragons. Um, It's just a great family market, and that's really what we target is family entertainment. So that's sort of played right into the hands of the market. Uh, On top of that, we have our Major League Parent Club, of course, within an hour of our ballpark. So fans stay connected with the players after they leave the Dragons and know that when those players are playing for the Dragons, they'll still have the opportunity in the future to continue to enjoy their career. So, for example, this year we had Ellie Daly Cruz, who I'm sure we'll talk about. Uh, Everybody knows, uh, I think, that watched him play this year that we have not heard the last of Ellie Daly Cruz. It's not like when I was in, for example, Mobile. If we lost a player, he was gone. He went to the West Coast and you really didn't hear a whole lot about him again, um, this will not be the case with the players who come through Dayton. So uh, all those things, plus the, the organization has has really done a great job as the years have gone by with customer service and family entertainment and just trying to be a quality organization from top to bottom. They've had a great staff, and I think those things have combined uh, on that Uh, on that uh, particular subject I should get in here at the very beginning we do have season tickets available now so if you'd like to go to our website and check that out um, Mm -hmm. it it would be a good time to do it but um, it's just been a, a you know I think this year we actually have a great chance of finishing the season with the highest average attendance per home date in all of minor league baseball not just our league but the entire minor league's 120 teams so those things have sort of combined to, to all add up to a perfect storm and, and make it successful.
1: That's awesome. That's- I mean, I remember like going to games, every game felt like an event. Like it was, it was, it was a big deal. Every game, like, you know, you got, well, I think, what was it? Like 10, 12,000 maybe back then. Um, it's just every game felt like it meant something. And it helps you, you know, play at your, at a, at a better level, at a higher competition, because every, you know, the crowd's into it. You feed off of that, especially at home. It's, it's a special place for sure.
0: I think Carlos, one of the things that separates the dragons is, you know, you can go to a lot of ballparks in America on a Saturday night in July and see a huge crowd. You can see uh, maybe seven, 8,000 fans will still have that same number of people on a Tuesday night in April when it's 40 degrees outside, that's really what separates the Dayton franchise and, and the attendance numbers from most places is it's, and, and part of that, again, ties back to the season ticket support. Um, we, we've we had such big crowds seven days a week, not six days a week with the scheduling Mondays off in the minor leagues, but uh, that's been the, the story over uh, many years. And it continues forward as, as we, as we talk tonight.
2: All right, let's talk about some of those guys. And Tom, the first guy we had to discuss, you've already talked about a little bit, that's Ellie De La Cruz, Uh, the Reds' number one-ranked prospect, 15th overall according to MLB Pipeline. Um, People we've talked to throughout the season have said that they would not be shocked if next year when this list comes out that he is the top prospect in baseball. Uh, we saw uh, you got him for 73 games in Dayton before he got called up to Chattanooga, where he continued to success. But, uh, you know, at 161 weight runs created plus just super dynamic on the base path that you saw 46 on basis this year for you getting to see him on a day-to-day basis. What can you tell us that you saw from L.A. Daily Cruz that jumped out the most?
0: True 5 2 player. I mean, you hear that term thrown around a lot, 5 tool 4-2, whatever the case may be. And sometimes it really is legitimate. Sometimes it isn't. He is a true five-tool player in that he will hit. He hit 300 at, at two different levels this year. He's hitting 300 right now in the Southern League as a 20-year-old, the youngest player in the league. He hit 28 home runs this year. He, he is as fast as anybody in the league. Um, he, uh, he's got an outstanding arm at the shortstop position. And his defense this year probably would be, of the five, the one that that needs the most improvement to stay at shortstop. I I think he can do it. He's got a ways to go there, though. Um, And uh, that would be the the one of the five tools that, while it's strong, it doesn't stand out as much over the better defensive shortstops at our level. Um, I'll tell you this. I saw De La Cruz play all season. He is a truly elite, special talent such that when you watch him and compare him with some of the other players that are supposed to be in that same range, um, and you've got right there number 15 overall in all of minor league baseball MLB pipeline. I think Baseball America's got him somewhere in that same range. And the first thing you would ask if you saw David Cruz play this year is, how can there be 14 guys ahead of him? Uh, How could that possibly be the case? And it really comes down to one thing, too many strikeouts. Um, That is the fear that scouts have because he did strike out about a third of his at-bats this year. I think when he left our league, he was third in the league in strikeouts. Other than that, he was near the top in everything uh, from a positive perspective. And such that I think when we saw other players who were as highly regarded, Carlos, you were a Padres fan, I'm not sure, or Padres player, not sure how closely you follow the Padres at this point, but they had a prospect in our league this year that was a big-time blue-chip prospect, an outfielder by the name of Robert Hassel, who was a first-round pick uh, as a high school pick out of the state of Tennessee. When when there was talk at the deadline that the Padres might go after a, a player, a lot of people said there's no way they'll give up Hassel. They eventually did give up Hassel, but a lot of people were surprised by that. When we saw Hassel and De La Cruz in the same stadium, in the same game, on the same day, nothing against Hassel, but there was no comparison in terms of talent between those two players. And Hassel's, I think, just about everyone has him top 20, top 25, maybe a little higher on the prospect list for all of minor league baseball. De La Cruz is in a class of his own this year. A couple of things I'll mention on him. Just statistically, um, number one, we had uh, a night this season where De La Cruz hit a home run left-handed, a home run right-handed in the same game. It had not happened in Dayton in 10 years. You saw it happen, you say, well, will it be 10 more years before somebody does that again? Actually, it was two more days because he did it again two days later. Home run left-handed, home run right-handed the same game. Uh, (laughs) he, He became the third player in Dragons history, to hit 20 home runs and hit 300 in the same season. Um, But again, uh, you look at the tools, and that's what's really going to stand out. He plays with a tremendous amount of energy. He's got blazing speed. He changes every game he plays in with his energy and his hustle and his speed. And the other tools are right there, too. So I'm I'm a big fan of De La Cruz. And you said big leagues next year. And and I would say that would seem to be the pace he's on right now because he jumped the double-A as a 20 year old, again, youngest position player in the league. And he did not miss a beat. So by maybe June of next year, Carlos, you'll remember around the time Jay Bruce came through the minor leagues and it was a skyrocket for him. And I think they moved him up around the first of June. There was talk about that time, about service time, the Chris Bryant rule, some call it. And and so that may play into, into a factor next year to some degree, but De La Cruz looks like a guy that nobody's going to stop him right now. He's going to have a long major league career. Now, could he do a Corey Patterson and get to the big leagues and just become an average player? You don't know until he gets there, but he's going to be there and he's going to play for a long time.
3: Corey Patterson, that's triggering. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to ask you about the other big prospect, I guess the only one that could maybe you know fight for De La Cruz towards the top spot, Noel uh, Noelvi Marte. Uh, who the Reds uh, got in the Luis Castillo trade. A couple things on him. I noticed he missed the last three games of the year. Was there anything to that?
0: He had a personal issue that he had to head home for. I think um, if you look on Twitter, I don't really want to talk about it too much because we we really weren't cleared. Um, and I think if you look on Twitter today, you'll you'll see uh, a mention of him uh, in the WBC. And I think there was a connection there. Um
3: but nothing, had no, nothing, no physical. injury, no
0: problems, nothing along those lines. Okay, good. Uh, uh, Mar- Marte did join our club immediately after the Castillo deal. He took over basically for De La Cruz. A little time in the middle where Jose Torres, uh, our second baseman, who's a natural shortstop, moved back to short. And then when Marte arrived, Torres moved back to second base. Um, Marte um, question would be: Can he stick at shortstop? um he's going to have some work to do he may outgrow the position some would say um third base might be a future position for him you've got a lot of shortstops right now in this organization and most of them are going to have to move because as far as I know you can only have one shortstop on the field at a time so um you've got for example our number one pick last year came through Dayton Matt McLean out of UCLA shortstop at Chattanooga this year you've got Jose Barrero playing shortstop in Cincinnati right now. You've got De La Cruz, who's a shortstop and could play some third base. Marte is a shortstop. He did not play any other position except shortstop with us. Unlike De La Cruz, who saw quite a bit of time at third base. Um, Then you've got uh, the other player they got in the Seattle deal. If you guys are familiar with Arroyo, some like him as well, or even maybe a little better than Marte. He's a shortstop. Um, so uh, they've got a lot of players to play the same positions. A lot of those guys, somebody's going to have to move to third base, to the outfield. Um, Marte, I would think, uh, could be a candidate maybe to move to third base. They, they have not certainly made that decision yet. He stayed at shortstop all the way with us. Um, I would say don't compare him to De La Cruz. Nobody compares. He is his own guy. He's, he's a similar age player to De La Cruz. 20 years old in our league is very young, is now a high A club. We were low A for 20 years. We're high A now. So a 20-year-old in high A is a young player. Um better as the season went along. We never saw that light tower power that people talked about. There were people that talked about Marte and said um, as good a pure power as any one of the minor leagues. We, we didn't see that at all. We, we, we saw a few home runs, but they were more like the wall scraper type. Um, we had some guys like that this year to get the ball out halfway to the moon. Austin Hendrick, Reese Hines, um, th- those types of guys. Um, Marte was not that kind of a home run hitter. He, he, he finished up strongly and finished up at 292 in just 30 games. He was the only player we had all season, including De La Cruz, who had more hits than strikeouts, which is the way the game has gone now used to be, and I was on with Lance McAllister this evening. And, and I I mentioned that when I started with the dragons in 2008, all 30 major league teams had more hits than strikeouts as a team right now in the major leagues, 18 of the 30 have more strikeouts than hits as offensive stats. And on our team this year with as many good prospects as we had, Marte was the only guy who had more hits than strikeouts. That's just the way the game has gone. And, uh, um, I hope it changes back at some point because um, that's just way too many strikeouts. But Marte, um, don't compare him to De La Cruz, but um, a good prospect to keep an eye on. And um, he next year, will he, will he jump to Chattanooga or will he start in Dayton? I could see it both ways. Um, he's still young, um, but he did show tools, and I thought he got better and more comfortable over the 30 games. Certainly the stats said that the 30-game period in Dayton. He looked better, I think, week to week as as he got more comfortable with his new organization.
3: I, I know you said you didn't want to talk about the, uh, uh, the uh, WBC. He D- was also reported that he was uh, going to do the Arizona Fall League. Do you know anything about that?
0: I, I think there's a plan for him to go to Arizona. I, I didn't know if it was Fall League or Instructional League, but I, I do believe he's going to spend some time working on some things out there. I wouldn't be surprised if they didn't try to start working him in at a different spot on the field on at least a limited basis, because the Reds have really been big on that in in recent years is, um, is trying to create more versatility with their guys and, and make them into multi-positional players. Um, We, when we had India, for example, in 2018, they tried to play him some at shortstop. Um, you know, Sinzel actually never played the outfield in the minor leagues. Um, I, I, I've never totally agreed. Maybe I get you guys' thoughts on this. With the way they've gone about it, um, we had, for example, Todd Frazier in 08. And he would play shortstop one day. The next day he would play third base. And the next day he would play left field. The next day he would play first base. And I thought, you know, how's I don't know how a guy ever really develops an, a level of expertise when every single day he's at a new position, uh, let him play one position for a week and then move him to the other position. Let him play, stay there for a week and, and develop a, a comfort level at that position. Uh, that Nobody really does that, though, not just the Reds, anyone. That, that you'll see guys jump all over the field every day um, from one day to the next. So maybe I'm, I'm just uh, on my own on that one. But uh, um, Marte never played anywhere but shortstop. I would expect at some point they... They will get him some experience at third base and let him play some there. An Instructional League or, or Arizona Fall League probably be a great place for that to happen.
1: Yeah, you got to think, though, some of these infielders are going to have to move to the outfield pretty soon because there's really not a whole lot there in the minor leagues uh, outfield-wise. That's true. And, um, you mentioned earlier, Tom, about maybe getting the game back to kind of what it was. And so recently MLB has made some changes to the game, which I think is going to help you know, bring athleticism back since taking the shift out and things like that. Um, as far as the pitch clock, something that y'all experienced um, in the minor leagues this year, can you, can you talk a little bit about that and any changes you might have seen
0: um, as a fan or, or notice a, as maybe even an insider on it? Absolutely. Um, we had the pitch clock all season. Uh, the first week of the season, it wasn't really enforced as, as much. And after that, it was enforced very strictly. Um, I would say about a quarter of the pitch clock violations that we had were actually called on the hitter, not the pitcher. Um, And and not that a lot were called. I would say maybe every third game we would see a pitch clock violation. Uh, And again, about maybe a quarter of those on the hitter. Um, It had an enormous impact on the game. I think if you're a fan watching, number one, you don't notice the clock. You notice um, at the end of the night, you look at your watch And for a 7.05 first pitch, it's 9.30 instead of 10.15. Um, That's what you notice. And um, uh, the game itself, it's played as if – think about a guy that you remember who was a quick worker as a pitcher. And I I think back to Tom Browning or before that, Jim Cott, guys who just did not waste any time out on the mound. They got the ball. They got their sign. They went to work it forces everybody to sort of move in that direction. If, if you're a guy that's real meticulous out there, takes a lot of time between pitches, he'll have to adjust because that won't, he will not be able to continue doing that. That guy, that, that ty- style of pitching will be gone. Um, you'd get a pitch clock violation uh, every hitter. Um, so I think from an overall perspective, The studies have shown same number of pitches per game this year as last year, but the games are taking 30 minutes less time. So that's 30 minutes of just dead time. Uh, And it's not just the pitch clock. It's you can only throw to first base twice now. That's had a huge impact, more stolen bases. After the pitcher throws the second time to first base, if he throws one more time and doesn't pick the guy off, it's a balk. So the base is not stupid. He knows after that second pitch, that second throw to first base, there's not going to be another one so he can lean maybe get a little extra momentum maybe be moving a little bit that direction and it makes a difference and he can steal the base that's so wild I've i never heard of that one I, that that's a that, that's a that, that's also going to the big leagues um really two, two pickoff throws to any base not just first base but uh, per batter so um it does change the game the base stealers uh, there's some strategy there. I, if you're the pitcher, do I really waste a throw to first base? If I don't think I could pick him off because then it's going to put him one step closer to knowing there's not going to be another throw to first base. Um, so those things all change the game. I think the, um, and it's again, it, it's all this uh, big picture combined. You, you've got less time between hitters. You've got hitters who can't step out and readjust their batting glove after every pitch. It's not just the pitch clock on the pitcher; it's the whole overall product, and they've managed to take about thirty minutes of dead time out of each game, and um, and and and, and, uh, and shorten the game. So um, it's to me, it's a better product. Some some will disagree, but I think the overall point I would make is you probably won't notice a big difference just as you didn't when you had a quick worker, except you might say the pace is a little quicker, but that, that's about it. And then at the end of the night, you'll say, wow, 30 minutes less time than, than what I'm used to. And, and it'll be that way most nights.
2: Tom, there were a couple more guys I wanted to ask you about. We'll do a little quickly uh, here. Uh, one of the guys I really wanted to touch on is uh, Jay Allen, uh, who was one of my favorite prospects coming up. Uh, had a really, really good, uh, after getting called up to Dayton from Daytona, uh, really came on strong. Uh, left us on red, Jay, we're still... Want to have you on the show if you're ever interested, please. We'd love to have you. Um, but obviously, kind of, you know, these new rules talk about a guy who could be a menace in the base path. A guy who still forty-three stolen bases. I uh, had to go to eleven games in Dayton. What kind of jumped out to you about
0: Jay? Base stealing ability and defense in center field um, really helped our club. In fact, you you may or may not be aware we finished. I think we went um, sixteen and five over our last twenty-one. That kind of coincided with his arrival in Dayton. It wasn't so much just pure stats that you would look at and say, um, hey, he hit OPS 900 or whatever the case may be. It was the energy he brought to the team. He he comes in and starts stealing bases, and all of a sudden you see everybody else start stealing bases. And this is the part of the game that the analytics will never – Never pick up is the human element, the, the fact that these guys aren't robots out there. You brought a guy in with great speed and basting ability. And like I say, all of a sudden, everybody else is stealing bases. It wouldn't have happened um, without him there. And, 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 it, and after this happened, I sit back one day and I thought, you know what? You need a guy like that on every team that has speed that the opposition just has no answer for a guy that can um, bring that that element, game-changing element to the game where every single night, because speed doesn't go in a, in a slump. That's one of the oldest sayings in baseball. Every night, that guy can change the game with his speed. He's an outstanding de- defensive center fielder. Will he hit? We'll see. He was very young in our league, 19 years old, um, didn't hit much in Daytona, Missed a lot of time with injuries, but he's got a couple of tools that are elite. I I love Michael Ciani defensively, and Ciani uh, is almost unmatched in the red system over the last several years as a defensive center fielder. I don't think there's been anybody, I mean, you could maybe Jose Siri was a player that could be compared to Ciani in some ways. Uh, They're different. Ciani maybe has some. Some things he did better, and and, uh, Siri was probably a little faster than Siani. Siri had Billy Hamilton-type speed. Um, Allen is different, but he's in that same level as Siani. So he's going to change games. Pitchers are going to love him. He's going to make catches and save you runs that no one else would would, would have. And and I'm I'm a big defensive guy. I'll say that. Um, I don't want someone who, as they say, can he play center field? What's that mean exactly? Can he play center field? I could go out there and play center field. I needed to make plays to win games for me. And that's what Allen can do. He won't just make the routine play. He'll he'll make big plays in key situations to get a pitcher out of a tough jam, and be the only guy in the league that'll make that play. Um, so the question again is, will he hit? And we'll we'll find out. I guess he's still young. Probably back in Dayton next year. So we'll find out.
3: Tom, I wanted to ask you about Austin Hendrick. I saw him earlier in the year and uh, really looked pretty lost at the plate, but he really finished the year strong. What, what did you think about his uh, adjustment late in the year with his uh, uh, strong finish of the last month plus of the season?
0: Very interesting prospect. First of all, he's got absolute thunder in his bat, he can hit the ball a mile. Um, very, you see what the Reds saw, and it didn't take long to see it. Um, a couple of foul balls maybe, and you saw the ball came off his bat differently than it did anyone else's. Um, he's got tremendous raw power and bat speed. Strikeouts are a huge issue with him. He was a much better athlete than I expected based on the scouting reports. We played him some in center field, and he played he played pretty well out there. He stole some bases for us, not just a big hulking, certainly not a um, – you know, he's not an Adam Dunn type player. He does have that kind of power, though. Uh, but he, he's, he's an athletic player. Um, but a lot of strikeouts. The, the ability to cut down the strikeouts are going to dictate his future. Some scouts are skeptical because there's so many. But I'm not ready to say that I, I – I mean, he, he improved quite a bit with us this year. Um, and still another young guy who's, who's really – he's out of a cold-weather state. And he, he, he missed the entire 2020 season with COVID. So he's really only played two full seasons. And um, so there, there's still a lot of potential there. That's a guy to keep an eye on. I I, I like him as a person too, and uh, I'm pulling for him. But um, just tremendous power. A guy that can hit the ball out of any part of the ballpark at, on, at any time you need him to in the game, But just has to cut down on the strikeouts.
1: Let's start talking about the important stuff, the pitching, Tom. It's all that anybody really cares on the show about anyway. So talk to us about some of these strong arms that we have here with Abbott, Phillips, Patty Boyle. What do, I keep hearing nothing but good things about all of them. So uh, help help me understand what, what, what I'm looking for or what I'm going to be expecting.
0: Boy, those are four interesting guys that you've got on the screen right there, and they're all very different. They all have something about each of the four – that is um, that, that would put him at the top of the list in, in that area. I'll just take him, and I'll, I know you guys don't want to go all night here, so I'll take him one at a time and try to get through this fairly quickly. Um, Andrew Abbott of the four was the best with us this year, um, and uh, he was absolutely dominant in the time with the, with the Dayton Dragons. Uh, a man among boys in the Midwest League. His ERA, when he got moved up, was under one way over a strikeout an inning, just a guy that no one could hit. A lot of high fastballs and uh, and breaking balls that were too good for the opposing hitters. Um, doesn't throw real hard, um, maybe 93, so about an average fastball. Some would say you're looking at like a, a number four, number five starter there, um, or, or a bullpen guy perhaps because he doesn't have elite stuff. But he was so good with us, it was hard for me to imagine that that, that you could put that kind of a a cap on his his long-term ability. He did struggle some in Chattanooga, but his last few starts were excellent. I'm I'm watching him, and and that's a guy that I really think uh, is is worth a long look. Okay, the next guy on your list there, Phillips. Really interesting prospect. Um, Got him in the uh, Winker deal, the Winker Suarez to Seattle trade. 20 years old in our league this year, had nights where he was just electric and just made opposing hitters look silly. He would have nights where he would sit at 98 miles an hour. I'm not kidding you. I mean, sit at 98 pitch after pitch with a strikeout pitch being the breaking ball. I mean, that's a pretty good combination. And a young guy. Command was not great, below average. But with that kind of an arm and that at that age – That's a guy that is going to be interesting down the road. Okay, the next guy you've got there, Chase Petty. In my mind, maybe the best prospect of the four because he's the youngest but most, um, I'll say, most refined. Maybe, Maybe Abbott would be more refined, but Petty is a guy with good command, stays ahead in the count, has hit 100, has a very good breaking ball, but the command is better than that of Phillips. He doesn't consistently throw as hard as Phillips. He, he does have top-end velocity that's reached 100. Um, but consistently, he's going to be 95, maybe 96, in that range. Um, youngest pitcher in our league all year, 19 years old, out of New Jersey. Um, had nights where he would throw – how about this, Carlos? He would throw five innings – And in this day and age, you don't see this. He would throw 55 pitches in five scoreless innings and and do that as a 19-year-old. So we're not talking some scatter-arm young guy. We're talking a guy that's got command to get hitters out in in just a few pitches. And then the last guy on your list there is Joe Boyle, who's got the biggest power arm maybe in minor league baseball. Um, The – ERA that you see there is all based on the fact that he's been hit a little bit in Chattanooga double a when he was with us, his ERA was under one almost the entire time with almost no hits. I mean, he was averaging one to two hits allowed per start. um, Just dominating 13.7 strikeouts per nine. Um, That's pretty good. Uh, Command was the worst of the four, but arm strength and power with both his, uh, well, he had a, a fastball in the high 90s, slider about 89, excellent curveball, 80 miles an hour when he threw it for strikes, totally unhittable after he'd throwing the fastball in the high 90s. Um, that was oftentimes his strikeout pitch. Those are four really interesting guys you've got there that, that are um, all very, very much worth looking at in the future.
2: Tom. I uh, wanted to ask you real quick about one thing that, you know, we talked you gave us a ton of insight about the prospects here and we're definitely grateful for that. But there was a moment you discussed uh, that you had a 2018. Do you got to get called up and do a, a big league game? And I think Nick actually might have some have a clip
0: of that. Really excited about the chance to sit in with Jeff and Marty tonight. Uh, I've been doing this for a while and always a Reds fan, grew up as a Reds fan. I've stayed close to the Reds as a fan for my entire life, and this will be a great thing for me tonight. Very excited. Ground ball hard up the middle, base hit. Peraza's three for four. He lines one to right. It is in for a hit. Around third, Peraza. Here's the throw home. He is in. So, Philip Irvin, big two out RBI hit against the new pitcher. Swing and a miss by Arcia. that's strike three. Swing, line drive, base hit center field. That'll move Jeanette to second base. Swing and a miss, and he struck him out. He gets is swinging for a big second out of the inning. Pratt stands in, ground ball through the middle, base hit center field. Shaw's being waved in. Hamilton's throw home is in time. They get him. Thanks to the Reds, Marty, and Jeff, and everyone else. Thrilled for me. Glad to be with you tonight from Great American Ballpark. That's the good stuff right there, Tom. Thank you. I haven't, seen, I haven't seen that stuff for, I guess, three, four years. Brings back some good memories. Good night for my family who, who was with me. My my mom, uh, who since passed, um, was listening that night, and that was a good night.
2: That's awesome, man. Yeah. So I was to say, I know, like uh, – Talk a little bit about that. You know, obviously, we know the legend that Marty Brenneman is in many people's eyes. And you said in there you grew up a Reds fan. So I'm sure that was a pretty surreal moment for you.
0: It was, it was a career uh, moment. A career moment for somebody that's been in minor league baseball for now 35 years. Um, uh, I'm very thankful that they gave me that opportunity. Um, Marty and Jeff were absolutely as, as nice and, and, and friendly and helpful as anybody could be. Um, in in addition, uh, um, the Reds front office uh, and and worked with our front office to to make that possible. And um, so I'm really thankful that I had that chance. You you know, um, you could could go through this life forever and and ride the buses for as many years as I have and never get the, the chance to sit in the big league stadium and call a game. And so for me, one night, it, it my, I, I think it, it sort of was a uh, a moonlight Graham night um, where you, you you get your name in the book even if it was only for one night so it was a special night for me and I'm sure Carlos can think back to his his major league debut and uh, how he felt on the mound that night and um, no one can ever take that away from you and and uh, so it, it it's right sort of, there yeah something special
1: that's what it is nobody can ever take it away no matter what.
2: Derek Lee didn't stand a chance when Carlos took them out on that <laughs> night.
1: Damn right. Uh,
2: I want to ask you real quick about um, so Tommy Thrall has obviously stepped into that that seat. Uh was with Pensacola for a long time uh, before getting the job with the with the, with the Reds. Uh, kind of your thoughts on Tommy's work that he does? You know, like you said, as a Reds fan, obviously a very likable dude, a very enjoyable, really good at his job. But kind of curious your thoughts of what you like of when you hear the broadcast with Tommy Thrall.
0: Well, I've known Tommy for a long time, actually, long before he uh, ever joined the Reds organization. He and I worked together in the same league in the, I think, 2005, 6, and 7. And so we got to know each other pretty well. And I was thrilled for him when he got that opportunity. He's got an absolute big league voice and big league delivery. And um, he knows the game. I, I was happy uh, in his case, and, and John Sadek also, that, you know, a guy that worked his way up through the minor leagues, um, and, uh, earned, earned the opportunity uh, that. That's a, a way to, 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 that, uh, to look at it. And so, um, that, that's, that's what I appreciated was they, they, they gave the opportunity to someone who had earned it there. And, uh, that's all you can ask for is, is get a chance. And, and, uh, you know, it's, it's been a tough year for those guys, believe me, because, uh, when when you're struggling, and everybody on the one hand says, "Why is he being a company man?" and the other, other hand, y- y- you can't be negative. You're you're paid by the ball club to to try to uh, uh, maintain a positive uh, uh, level of, of of fan reaction, and so you you've just got to do the best you can with it. You don't want to you don't want to sound like a total homer but at the same time, you've got to keep everybody as positive and optimistic as you can. And that's a fine line. Sometimes it's not easy to do when you've lost um, a lot of games in a row and fans are frustrated and, and uh, maybe the players aren't in the best mood ar- around uh, the broadcasters sometimes in, in those kind of days. And, um, but I know they've got a great group of players to work with down there right now. So, cause a lot of them came through Dayton and, and there, there are a lot, there's a lot of really good guys there. So um that's one thing we've been blessed with in in the red system really for the whole time I've been there is quality people to work with. And, uh, um, whether, you know, Tyler Stevenson and Jonathan India, um, Tyler Malley, uh, Jesse Winker, those, those guys were all just really enjoyable people to work with. I'm leaving some out obviously. And, um, as Carlos would probably tell you, um, if he were to think back among his favorite teammates it's not always the player who was the best player, but maybe there's um, some qualities as a person that, that stood out, and and we have the same with our players. Uh, Tyler Steele, our, our longtime trainer in, in Dayton, and I sometimes we'll we'll just get to talking about our all-time favorite Dragons players as people, and and both we'll we'll sometimes name the same people, um, uh, and, uh, and that that's what makes it all all fun and enjoyable, I guess.
2: You say that, but Carlos's best friend is literally Joey Votto. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but if you would
1: listen to mine and Joey's conversation about our best teammates in the minor leagues, you'd be like, "Who? Who's that? Who? Who's that?" Like Anderson Machado, who's probably our favorite one.
0: Not too many people know who Anderson Machado is. That's true, um, and I've got I've got some of those same kind of guys on the list. Um, a Reds minor leaguer who made his major league debut this year was an outfielder by the name of Narciso Crook. You've probably heard the name in spring training maybe because he was in spring camp with the Reds several times, never on the 40-man roster, and absolutely by his teammates, the most beloved teammate in the entire organization. And I guarantee you, in fact, I told one of our coaches that he had been called up by the Cubs this year, and he just yelled out with joy and started calling the other coaches to tell them, that Crook had been called up to the big leagues, not with the Reds because he's gone from the Reds. That was the kind of mark he made on the people that he he, he played with, played for, and that's the way it is in the minor leagues sometimes.
2: So we've kind of touched on a lot of stuff here, Tom. Uh, thanks so much, man, for taking some time to hang with us here and kind of give us some insight on the Dragons and things like that. Uh, before we do get out of here, uh, if you have some Dragons fans, some Reds fans who do want to interact with you and you want to share your socials, by all means, take a second here. The floor is yours, man.
0: Okay. Yeah, I am on Twitter. Um, Tom Nichols02 is my handle. Also, you know, you can uh, reach out to us through the Dragons Twitter account as well. Check out our webpage. It's a lot of great information there. I've really worked hard to, to create some things for the serious fan, the more hardcore fan that allows them to keep up with how the team's doing. And uh, uh, even if you're not going to follow us on a daily basis during the season, of course, we're at the end of a year. So Um, you can always go to what we call our digital press box, which has got great information updated daily. And uh, that'll allow you to maybe have a little more of an insider's look at Dayton dragons baseball. But you can also, like I said, you can reach out to me on Twitter, Tom Nichols O2. And I think uh, it's connected with some of the um, promos you guys put out today on Twitter. Um, You'll see that there. And I'd be happy to take any questions there.
2: Perfect. Well, Please make sure to shoot us a DM so we can send you a late night Reds t-shirt. We just need size and address and we'll get that out to you, man.
0: All righty. Thank you very much for having me tonight. I knew that 20 to 30 minutes was going to be a tough thing to do. When we start talking <laughs> baseball, 20 to yeah, 30 minutes, is sure. not going to cut it. <laughs> yeah. Could have kept next for two sum- hours next <laughs> summer, boys,
1: uh, if we make that summer trip again, we need to uh, see if we can schedule around a day game in Dayton and then night game in Cincinnati. Yeah. We'd love That's to have awesome. you.
2: Awesome. Yeah, for sure. Good deal awesome thank you so much tom thank you that was a lot of fun just really really awesome insight on really good pr- on the prospects and uh you know dayton obviously being such a cool thing you know carlos told us a lot about his time there and how fun it was so this was this that was neat to have I mean, I definitely definitely appreciate you putting that together nick
3: yeah yeah very cool uh, tom uh gave us way more time than we asked for so <laughs> yeah I really appreciate he it he uh had a lot of really good insight into uh, he's
1: coming back in the off season for sure.
3: Yeah. <laughs> well, I'll bug him again. I'll bug him again. I want to get him right after the dragon season ended while it was, you know, fresh. And I thought it'd be, be a good time to, to get him in there. And uh, you know, there's just so much reds to talk about right now. It, it was, it was hard, but you know, we, we made sacrifices.
2: <laughs> yeah. So I'll give you a little behind the curtain. Uh When he logged on, and Carlos gets on. He goes, hey, Tom, I'm, I'm Carlos. And he goes, I know who you are. You're in the Dayton Dragons media guide every year. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> so that was pretty awesome. Um, all right, let's talk a little bit about, um, I guess, for a few minutes about the games today. And I know a lot of people seem to be really mad that uh, a 4A team in the Reds currently lost to, got slept by a 4A team in the Pirates, um, which at this point, if you're Really still upset about wins and losses. I want to win as much as anyone, but at this point in the year with twenty games to go, you know, it is what it is. Uh Nick Lodolo today, eleven strikeouts. That was pretty cool. Um, but yes, I know everyone's gonna look at the four game sweep from the Pittsburgh Pirates over the Reds. And uh yes, thank you, Nick. If you look at Tankathon, right now the Reds are in the top six still and fairly close to breaking where they need to go to have lottery chances. So um, you know. Suck it, pirates, crossed.
3: you're just hurting yourself.
2: Yeah. Yeah. O'Neill Cruz helping my fantasy team hitting home runs today. Jerk. Hey,
3: Nick Lodolo though. Hey, I mean he, Awesome.
2: I'd rather Lodolo pitch
3: well and him get rocked and win a ten nine game or something at this point, you know. Uh man, he's been just he, he the way he's finishing the year is just so impressive. Uh, you know, usually it's the opposite. You know, usually these guys slow down in their rookie year towards the end of the yeah. year. And he, he seems to be getting just better and better with every start. And uh, I don't, know, Carlos. What's your thoughts on Laddo? I I just I, I can't be more pleased with with what he's done this year. I mean, he looks like a bona fide ace to me.
1: Yeah, for sure. He's he's the most mature. Like I um, think we we kind of said at the beginning of the year in our predictions that who we thought might have the best year, I think most of us lean towards Lodolo just because, you know, his experience of throwing more pitches, period. Um, I said earlier today, like his, his slider to a right-hander down and in, it's just straight out sexy. That's all there is to it. <laughs> Ever since we lost that uh, Castillo changeup, I mean, that's just – oof, it's nasty. And Barry, Barry was talking about how it's one of those uh, Randy Johnson types where right-handed hitters sometimes they'll be swinging and jump up at the same time because they think it's going to hit them in the feet. But he, he's definitely been fun to watch. Um, I mean, he's got number one, number two potential for sure. Um, I'm not sure about number one quite yet um, on, a, on a good playoff team, but he's getting there. I and mean, he's just getting
2: better every every time out there and it's, it's all you can ask for really yeah my uh our good friend uh my former arch nemesis chad dotson wrote a really good article in cincinnati magazine uh about Nicola Dolo and how he they've he, they found another ace in their deck uh with kind of this uh, this progression of movement he talked a lot about just how he's found his control the last few months and how much that's been really helpful in his growth and progress and like carlos said that slider man that's awesome it's so fun to watch um I know Pitch Ninjas kind of – I think he's highlighted a couple times or somebody has on Twitter, uh, and that's been really kind of neat to see. So, yeah, man, I think like, I totally agree. Um, I know everyone wants to look at the wins and losses this moment, but I'm going to take pride in seeing Nicol having 11 strikeouts and not walking anybody and just seeing uh, very beautiful control in the game.
1: As, as good as that slider is, as nasty as it is, that fastball that he locates up and in, up and away, low and away is – Unbelievable at this age right now. And that's what makes this slider even crazier. Talking to great hitters, um, which I had the opportunity to, like coming up and, you know, just picking at their brains. And every single one of them says it's about the fastball location. It's not really how fast it is. It's just about the location. And he's doing an excellent job. There was multiple times, you know, tonight and uh, five days ago where he'd he'd just tie hitters up with a fastball. And I'm like, oof. Just because you know how quick that is, it's like that's nasty. You can't just you don't just miss there on accident on the inside part of the plate.
0: Yeah,
3: yeah it's some of the the stats that that Joel Luckup was uh, tweeting. I wish we would have done a little bit earlier so I had time to put them up on the screen. Come on, Joel. Uh, but no, I mean hey, some, it, of, the, some <laughs> of the pitchers that that Ladolo has been um, comparable to, you know, striking out. Uh, like 30 like the the list that he put where the dolo had 30 strikeouts and one walk or less over like a three three start period there's like four pitchers that have done that in like the last 20 years and they're all like elite starting pitchers so um just to be able to strike out this many batters and not be walking guys like that's not normal crazy. Like that's yeah. not there that's that's top of the the line starters and you know i mean he's gonna have some some ups and downs some growing pains here and there but Man, I'm uh, I'm excited
2: to see him finish the year. Six six tall lefty that sh- that throws sliders like that. That's that's rare. That's really rare. So that's pretty awesome. Um, you know, I don't know if they like, I think the easy thing you see often see people do is because of his height in the left hand, They're like, well, you know, he's got a lot of Clayton Kershaw to it, which is obviously calm down. I'm just happy that he's really really good now. So if he ends up being Clayton Kershaw, hell yeah, sign me up. But you know, let's just enjoy him being really good at the time being. So yeah, I see more Cliff Lee. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's a good one.
3: That's the one that always – I just I, – I see a lot of that.
2: Yeah. Maybe if you could be four inches taller and grow a mullet, and then we could be like, he's the next Randy Johnson.
1: Didn't Cliff Lee have like seven pitches like way even way <laughs> back then? Like
2: Larkin
3: uh, – Larkin, I don't know if he compared him to Randy Johnson, but he said something today with, with Randy Johnson in the broadcast. I think he said something along the lines of – of uh, Reminds me of like trying to step in the box against Randy Johnson or something like that with the so I was like, whoa, whoa, Larkin's saying that, you know. So Yeah.
1: Breaking hey. news.
3: <laughs> he faced Randy Johnson, so I mean Yeah.
1: I was at a game. It
2: was frightening.
1: That's why I made that comment earlier because that's what Larkin said that he he swung at a slider and then was his feet were both feet were off the ground when he finished that swing because he thought <laughs> he was gonna hit him in the feet.
3: It's the only way you're going to get a, a walk from Lodolo is, a, is if you get hit by the, the first pitch he throws. Yeah,
2: yeah, which, I mean, the first couple starts, you kind of, like, you know, his first couple starts early in the year, you saw he had that St. Louis game. I think he hit a couple of batters and stuff like that. Was, and then, like, once he found his groove, yeah, it was a blast. Um, so, obviously, you know, at this point of the year, Nick, uh, kind of pull, if you don't mind, pulling up real quick just discussing some of the rehab assignments. It looks like we can look at potentially having a uh, Hunter Green. Coming back pretty soon. Yeah, Who's that
3: guy. Uh I think he pitches for the Reds. Uh looked really good. 15 strikeouts and seven innings, only two walks in his rehab starts. So
1: why isn't he throwing in the big leagues right now? <laughs>
3: <laughs> stir, stir, stir. <laughs> but yeah, no, Greens look great and he's he's uh what's nine seventeen? Is that that Saturday? Yeah, no, it's, it's Saturday. He's uh, starting one of the games of the doubleheader while we'll back. Graphic up a little bit. Uh, then Graham Ashcraft uh, made his first rehab start tonight. Uh, struck out the side in the first inning, gave up some blue pits, looked really, really good. Um, the, the report was that he's planning on just a one rehab start and he'll be back he through 53 pitches tonight. So, I mean, you know, he, he should be able to. Not many starters right now are going more than like three or four innings anyway. So, I don't, you know, think that that part of it's a big deal. And then, uh, our right. good friend Connor Overton, uh, came back this week uh probably gonna be back in a a, uh relief role when he comes back and then daniel duarte and robert duggar i I won't go into too much detail about those uh uh, future star arms but uh they have also started their rehab assignments and if you're watching you can see their statistics on the screen
1: they should just like piggyback some of these guys like green and ashcraft like that's gonna be much watch tv right but yeah, I mean, I think Somebody they, tune in. I'm assuming they're going to go with the
3: six-man rotation. I'll just skip ahead and, and pull up what it looks like kind of their, those things. Chase Anderson's obviously going to get booted, but they're starting Sessa on Sunday and they don't have to. The way that some of the comments from Larkin, you know, makes me think that they want to keep giving Sessa a opportunity to start. So I, I wouldn't be shocked if there's, there's six-man starts, if there's, you know, Chase Anderson probably, who, whichever starter they think isn't going to go the deepest, he'll probably be ready to go in the third or fourth inning and and kind of be a bulk reliever starter type guy. But yeah, I think there'll probably be some piggyback and and you know maybe seven man rotations and all kinds of weird stuff in the year. But hey, at least there's some at least just some quality arms on there. That's you know uh,
1: they're, sp- they're sprinkled in there.
3: <laughs> I mean, Lodolo, Ashcraft and uh, Hunter Green, you might be getting them three out of four days coming up So yeah. I
2: yeah. was really hoping like that I'll Tuesday the rest of them. Yeah, that Lodolo will be pitching the Tuesday game because the Wednesday game, we obviously have a show so I wouldn't be able to go to that one but I'll say about going to the Tuesday game against Boston but, you know, can't have your cake and eat it Thanks Mike Miner Been a lot of fun <laughs> Yeah. Um, let's get real quick into the rule changes. Uh, I know we talked a little bit with Tom earlier in the show, um, but kind of go through real quick, just kind of summarize. Uh, 15 seconds of base are empty, 20 seconds pitch clock when runners are on base, uh, only one timeout per plate appearance, and then the bigger bases, which we've talked about, and the shift restriction where two infielders must be positioned on either side of second base when pitch is released, and all four infielders must have, must have both feet within the infield when pitch is on the rubber. So... Really, I know like this has kind of come out. There's been a lot of people have been against it. Uh, Joey was obviously on uh, the left athletic this week and talked about how he loves it. I kind of like it. Um, you know, I'm obviously all for quicker games, like I said earlier, especially with us doing some like really late Wednesday shows sometimes. Like that's going to be really helpful for us, obviously. But uh, seeing the reduced time in minor league games uh, to kind of see that at the major league level. And like you kind of said earlier, Carlos, like bringing the athleticism back into major league baseball and things like that like i i'm i'm down for it i think it's a good idea
1: yeah so do i i think this is going to do nothing but you know make the game more entertaining um, more fun like i don't think really anybody's really going to pay attention to the the clock like most baseball fans like true fans really could care less about it um but it will be nice to be able to see like damn it's well, those games over in two hours 15 minutes that's awesome But everything else is just going to make, you know, going to make the major league baseball player a a, a better player, going to force them to be a better player, all around player. You're going to have to be able to do more than just hit offensively now. Like I'll just use Jonathan India as an example. Like he better start playing um, defense a little bit better. You know, you're not going to be able to hide him amongst the shifts. Yes. (laughs) Whatever. Like all these shifts, you're not going to be able to hide these guys. Um, There's, it's, Great point. So it's gonna be it's gonna be fun. I'm glad it's happening.
3: Seems like a good time to have four thousand shortstops.
2: Yeah,
1: right. Carl knew it was coming.
2: Yeah. Um. Here's my big question. This is a really dumb one because it's just you know how my brain works. How many back spasms do you think Hideo Noma would have had if we had the pitch clock in '96? I
1: think
3: it's when you start the motion. So I don't think that would actually Yeah, once you first, like
1: yeah. I was watching Clevenger tonight and I'm like, ugh. Like, <laughs> does it, can it start when he starts rocking or whatever starts twitching?
3: There See, might be, might be some more exaggerated deliveries out of this people yeah, <laughs> to kind of slow the pace down a little bit.
2: Pitching out of the stretch will now be slower. <laughs>
3: yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm all for the pitch timer. Um, when I went to uh, four games in a week, uh, when Dayton was up in the the Cleveland area, you don't notice it. You won't notice it at all uh, until it's like the seventh inning, And you're like, Oh crap. Like it's the seventh inning and I've only been here 90 minutes. Like, like that's why, and obviously major league baseball, it's not going to move that quick. Um, I, for me, the pitch timer is not going to make me watch more or less reds games, but I think probably it might, might make me watch more casual games. You know, um, there's a lot of times where I'll turn on a game and it's like the eighth inning and I'll, I kind of watch for a little bit and just be like, yeah, you know, and I it's it's moving slow. I'm, you know, find something else to do or, or go to bed or whatever. Uh, I think it'll help with that. And it's also going to help not always not necessarily just all the time, but the dead time. I, I know like the diehard baseball fans they're like that's stupid. Like that's that's why we love baseball, but I, I think just not having dead time there being more action is going to really attract a lot of, you know, younger fans and um going to have, have people more interested. And when it gets to the ninth inning, you'll have more fans in the stands than, than, you know, some of these other games when half the fans are already gone, especially in the, the cities where they're relying on trains to get out. If um, you ever go to a game in DC, like half the fans are gone in the seventh inning because the last trains gone in the seventh inning. So, um,
1: yeah, I went to a the Rockies game this Sunday in Denver and we showed up in the bottom of the first and we left like top of the eighth. I feels perfect. It's quick. It's nice. Two hours. See you later. Had a great time at the ballpark. Yeah, no more no more Hunter Strickland
3: twenty minute top of the eighth or ninth or whatever. <laughs>
1: I got to show my buddies exactly where up I where I gave up a home run there too. Pretty cool. <laughs> Did
2: you get a photo next to it?
1: I was like, "Hey, you see that three seventy five sign right there? Yeah, your old buddy gave a home run right over the top of that." <laughs> was that your bit? Yeah. <laughs> uh, we it's got a
3: cheap. good we got a good question on the shift. Uh, really good question. Really like this question um, um, from uh, Mr. Wand. Which uh, pitcher will be most impacted by the shift? And he suggested Graham Ashcraft. And I think you're probably spot on. He's he's the easy answer because uh, he's the one that strikes out the fewest. So there's going to be more balls in play. So I would think it would impact him the most. Whereas there wasn't a whole lot of balls put in play on the dolo. So I don't know if it's going to really impact him as much.
1: Yeah, I mean, that makes the most sense. Same. Guys that don't strike out a lot of people, who can put the ball in play, you're going to count on the defense a whole lot more. So there's only going to be two guys on each side now.
2: I, I don't I don't hate Siani. K- Kirby Her- hates Siani. Here we go. Oh,
3: man, here we go. No, I don't hate Siani. I, I, I really enjoy watching him play. He's a very fun player. Uh, I'm just not convinced he's a big league player at this point, at least a big league starter. Uh, I like him. He's a fun player,
1: but uh... not everybody can be in the big leagues, guys.
3: Yeah, and also the bigger bases. I I heard that it might uh might help a little bit with stolen bases. Just be, I didn't really think like they're gonna be bigger, so it's gonna be a little bit closer. I wish they would ban replays on overslides.
2: Yeah, yeah. That would, please,
3: please give me. How that. is wanna, that
1: not addressed?
3: Like that's the like if you can't see it live, they overslide. Like it it's it's it didn't happen. Like that's the dumbest yeah. thing. Waste five minutes on it. Like no one enjoys watching a player get screwed for having their pinky barely go off the bag. Like, um, but yeah, and I think more shift predictions will come. I think this is just the first wave. Um, I, I think eventually you'll see, uh, them have some sort of ban, uh, standing behind the bag, uh, standing behind the second base. But it's, it's that's still going to be legal, uh, with the, the the rules next year, you could still have your second baseman or your shortstop stick right behind second base. And you still could have those, you know, line drives right at the middle, still be stopped, which is annoying, you know, to watch. Like that's one of the things we want to eliminated. That would be pretty tough to like implement right off the bat. But I could see that in a couple of years being added to this. I think they've already started it. in um, in one of the leagues, they've already started working on some sort of, they have like a line where you can't stand before the pitches. Um,
2: on either side of the bag. I think the people who are against it are necessarily just people who don't like when things change in general. So yeah, I mean, I'm all for it. Billy Hampton would love that the new bigger bases says Jim. Well, Jim, you still can't steal first base even with bigger bags. So I'm not so sure about that. <laughs> <laughs>
1: He's still hanging around, isn't he?
2: Hey. You- uh yeah. Miami. He was playing like second base this year. Yeah.
3: Hey.
1: Good for
2: him, man. Hey, write it we out. We have a resurgence. Yeah, he's
3: he's no Daniel Duarte getting called back up and getting hurt and missing a whole year on on the MLB dime, but
1: but, he uh, kind of fits in with the twenty twenty
2: two team. I don't (laughs) know. I kind of wondered when Seattle like did not elect to bring him up to the club and he elected free agency. I was like, could this maybe? And I was like, Uh never mind. Then Chase Anderson showed up. I was like, they probably could have made it happen if they wanted to. Chase Anderson. I always forget that Billy Hamilton played in the playoffs that year. He was with the Braves. Like that happened. Was he in the playoffs? He, he, get a ring? he the playoff. didn't get a ring. Huh. Was he on the playoff roster? Though I know he was. It was like Brandon Phillips' World Series with the Red Sox, where he was like in the organization, so he got a ring.
3: Pretty sure he was on the 2013 playoff roster. He was. Yeah, he, he was I don't think he played. Yeah, because they were down like six runs, like right away, but. Yeah, because I know a lot of people want to be to-
1: Hamilton.
2: <laughs> you're right, you're right, you're right. Let's get to our good friends <laughs> mm-hmm. at 5:38 and their playoff projections. How about we do that, shall we? All right. So That's if you're so looking, small. I know. I tried. I don't know. I dude, it's hard. It's yeah. There's there's Ayo. nothing you can do. Um. So in the American League, you can kind of see. Um. It's. Gonna be really hard for Baltimore, as good of a season they've had, to catch up on five games. I know anything can happen with twenty games left.
3: They do have six games against the Blue Jays, so I mean, like their only hope is like to go five and one.
2: Right. Yeah, and that's that's highly unlikely against that team. I saw Vlad hit his one hundredth homer today. By the way, that's pretty cool. Good for him.
1: I don't like how they they have those Brewers odds. What do you mean? Like, the Padres seventy four percent to make it, and the Brewers thirty nine. Well, who plays the the Reds
2: and Pirates? (laughs)
1: but the Padres have a tough schedule too
2: and Josh Hader
1: and it doesn't even matter who they're playing like they could easily man if I was a Batman I'd throw some money on the Brewers to make it one of that live
3: oh oh I thought you okay I thought you were going the other way I thought you were yeah no I'm with you I yeah I thought you were saying you were you were surprised that the the Padres odds were so low not that No, so high. Brewers are so low. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm with you. Yeah, yeah. I mean the schedule, the September schedule, (laughs) especially with
2: Josh
1: Hader, Juan Soto turned into, I don't know, fucking, who's a less than average outfielder? Shit. Oh wow.
3: (laughs) Old takes exposed. Go get that clip ready to roll.
2: God almighty, so annoying. Yeah. I do agree with Jim. I'm also sick of seeing the Dodgers every year as well, but um unfortunately I like it.
1: I like seeing the Dodgers and the Yankees in the playoffs because I like to see them, you know, big crowds and the all the hate because all the base rest of the baseball world unites against them. Like that's cool and see it taken down because I don't just want to see Tampa Bay and Toronto and Milwaukee and meh. I want to see the big names in it
3: like Seattle. I'm the like Seattle.
1: I'm, I'm the out- in San Diego. I want
3: to see all these other ones. I want to see all- Philadelphia. <laughs> it's kind of kind of interesting that the the big selling point of adding playoff teams, which I overall thinks probably a fine thing. Yeah. But it's kind of funny that this year there's going to be less close races down the stretch than there would have been because if if there was only two wild cards getting in, you'd have Tampa Bay Seattle and Toronto all fighting for one spot and same thing in the uh the wild card you'd have the Phillies Padres and Brewers all fighting for that one spot so it kind yeah. of actually <laughs> this year has kind of backfired a little bit and, and is going to create less uh September drama but I mean that's you know a year-to-year thing you know maybe next year you'll have you know 10 teams all
1: throw the reds in the mix
2: yeah 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 I agree I mean it's like the divisions too like if you look at like the Guardians right now, obviously, are on a on a big stretch, but like how close they are with the White Sox at four games, kind of makes it really enticing as well. So, um, I'm saying this one because now that I my wife's family's up there, Nick's up there, and Nick's wife is a big Guardians fan. That's my team the rest of the year. That's what I'm hoping to see make a run. So, oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah.
3: They're they're yeah. looking good. I mean, they uh, they got a four game lead. They got a big game tomorrow against the White Sox. They have a. Oh, oh, oh one-game uh makeup game where they could either go five up or White Sox get it back to three. They get up to five with, like, 19 to play.
2: Yeah. Is it in that's Cleveland? Yeah, yeah,
3: it's in Cleveland. I yeah, wish should didn't have a meeting. So
1: that's your American League team. Do you have a National League team,
2: Tim? Um, Because you're my friend, I'll, I'll pull for the Padres. Nice. Yeah, because I love you.
3: I am not really like any of the National League teams, to be honest.
2: I mean, yeah. I, I did kind of say earlier in the year, I was really loving watching the Mets play. Um, but then it was like, eh, it's still New York. So I kind of took a step back. Sorry, yeah. John Tancredi. I, I I know you were awesome to have on the show, and you're my good friend. But those
3: are super high win totals, too. Yeah, like, they are.
2: Like, the,
3: like the, the Padres are at 78 already with, like, what, 20 games to play. And the Reds were in that spot last year and finished with 83 <laughs> total. <laughs> you know, so... Those are super I mean, there's just such it's a lot new, of bad
1: teams to beat up. Yeah, by. there
3: is. There's a ridiculous amount of bad teams.
2: So. <laughs> of all the bad teams, too, do we think Baltimore would be a good team? Like what they've done has been pretty awesome. I mean,
3: they're they're seventy four and sixty seven. Yeah, man. Five like, out of the third wild card spot. Like
2: that's that's tough. <laughs> they got Trey Mancini. I'm sorry, but
1: we all thought about Oh, if you're five hundred, you're gonna be in the race. Well, you got to be more than that.
2: Yeah, yeah. Like I, think, I mean, it's definitely year to year, and but like this is, I I think this is good for baseball. I think this has been awesome. Um, so yeah, I dig it. Go Guardians.
1: Take the All shift right. away. Bring back the hot baseball.
2: <laughs> yeah, I'm with that too. There's the uh pitching matchups coming up for the four game set. Um, first in St. Louis, you got Chase Anderson and Miles Michaelis. Mm-hmm. Justin Dunn, Jack Flaherty, Hunter Green coming back Saturday against Dakota Hudson, and Luis Sessa against uh, new ace Jordan Montgomery. He's been ridiculous since he went to St. Louis. It's not fair. Uh, then next week you get the two Boston games where we'll see uh, old friend Tommy Pham come back and get his tribute video showing him slapping Jock Peterson in the outfield while also throwing people out at second base. Can't wait for it. Uh, and then you got a couple. Is he going to get booed? Burst. I don't think he will. I really don't. Well, I'm sure there'll All be right. more Red Sox fans there than Red Sox. That's true. Yeah. I wonder, uh, I didn't find do, a do Red flight. Sox fans like him? I don't know. I haven't seen anything. Let's
1: so. start a GoFundMe so I can get a flight to go up there just to boo.
2: <laughs> You'll probably, man, I don't know. With Boston,
3: though, they'll probably have pretty nice crowds those two days. Those will probably be the, uh, the two highest attended games the rest of the I'm year. I'm going to
1: ask the Riverfront to uh, sponsor me on that because they do a good job fundraising.
3: <laughs> but they don't go to games.
1: But they're going to fundraise it for me.
3: (laughs) I don't know. I feel like that might go against the principle.
1: I'll talk to them.
3: Oh, that's true.
2: That's true. The dilemma. To boo hmm. fam or not to boo fam. (laughs) (laughs) We'll do a Twitter poll next week on the Late Night Rides account. If you are attending the game, so Jules, or if you're not attending the game, so not Jules, um, will you be booing Tommy fam? So... Yeah, I think it'll be fun. Yes, Social experiment. Let's do it. All right, from So from San Antonio. <laughs> so the remaining schedule the rest of the year here up on this map. So like I said, uh, we talked about the games coming up. Then you got three more with the Pirates and six more with the Cubs and the year after that, which is absolutely hilarious how that worked out. Um, but yeah, we're crawling towards the end. Um, I know this wasn't the season anyone wanted to have by any means, but yeah, um, you know what? I've still had a lot of fun being on here with you guys every week. I Green, don't want to change. Green Ashcraft and Ladolo. Green Ashcraft and Ladolo. They're gonna be pitching. Dude, Tyler Stevenson was incredible this year. Like, we've had some fun, fun, fun things to look at. But he won't be catching this year. No.
3: But no, those guys will be back. We got some some excitement here to the end. Joey Votto might still be, be doing
2: pitch. broadcasts, hopefully.
3: I feel like he's on every other night. I don't know. Is he Yeah th- does does he have a he bio needs to on Valley sports he needs Ohio? To clean
1: that up all that neck hair little, nasty
3: little chin action yeah he got a polo
2: so i think he's part of the team so yeah, I'm, I'm looking for his bio like it's like Bally, you got to get it up at this point yeah i like it i think it's been fun um all right well i think if did i miss anything are we good did, like we get it all we nailed it awesome nailed it. well perfect well before we do get out of here as always gotta do some housekeeping first off once again If you're watching this on YouTube and you're not subscribed, just take two seconds. Go up there, click that like and subscribe button. Um, You're in the chat with us every week, so why wouldn't you do it now? Um, And also, if you want to get those alerts, even though you know we're on every night, um, but sometimes we do do special episodes, uh, we'll give you the alerts so you can kind of keep up with that as well. Um, Please, whatever your podcast app of choice is, please make sure you go and give us a nice solid five-star review so we can beat the algorithm that is nearly impossible to beat for smaller podcasts. Um, that goes a long way and then of course if you want to support the team uh me Nick Carlos and you want to show some love to us in your homeland uh, please go to latenightreds.merchmake.com grab some t-shirts um, the beautiful hat Carlos was wearing I'm currently in the process of working and getting up on the website if you want to grab one as well uh, so we are in negotiations for that um so late night retweet late night retweet yeah buddy so, also, we are also all brought to you, as always, by our good friends at Bet Online. Please go to their, uh, Bet Online, use the code BELIEVE50 for your 50% welcome bonus, and hopefully the Bengals can beat a backup quarterback this weekend. Uh, for Nick, for Carlos, I'm Tim Daniel. Thank you guys for hanging out with us this week. Thanks for hanging out with our guest, Tom Nichols, and we'll see you next week.